You tell me that you would have mentioned her, but our mothers came in. You also tell me that you'd organize for some guys to beat up Victor, but you called it off when you realized we were dating again. I shrug and don't tell you that I wish you hadn't called it off. But I tell you that any time I get blue, I eat bread dipped in Milo and it makes everything better. This is me reading an excerpt from the book A Broken People's Playlist by Chimeka Garrix. It is a collection of 12 stories highly influenced or inspired by music. And I think that you should pick it up, read it and savour every story in it because they are totally relatable. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Read, Directs and Reviews. My name is Chiamaka, your host and the bookie Shiba girl. <laughs> uh, it's still short story September. And my last episode, I actually read two stories from the just released Love is Beautiful When in Bloom. And this time around, I decided to read two stories too from one of my all-time favorite books um by chimeka garrix um it's titled a broken people's playlist so i remember that in one of my episodes i talked about this book as being one book that would actually pull you out of a reading slum you should actually listen to that episode because i talked about a lot of books well, not a lot, but I talked about five books or thereabouts that I shared that would, you know, pull you out of a reading slump. And this book is one of them. I thoroughly enjoyed this book. It was a road trip read. And to be honest, it was just the first story just like, oh my God, what is going on? And then I couldn't put it down and I just kept reading and reading. And it just made me realize how much of an excellent um, writer chimeka garrix is so and i also have his this is his second novel i have his debut novel um tomorrow died yesterday i haven't read that sue me like really sue me but i am you know getting getting there actually getting there getting to actually pick it up and read it but yeah um if you are new to this podcast thank you for joining us thank you for listening in today take a sit relax um grab your favorite drink or grab your favorite book if you like the sound of my voice and you just want to use it to read i really don't mind um and you know listen to me read a book if you are an OG listener, as always, you are lit. You are absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for returning and thank you for subscribing. I think you can subscribe on Google Podcast and for following on Spotify. Yeah, so this podcast actually has gotten over 300 plays, listens whatever that is and i'm so excited something that started off as a um i wouldn't say a joke it just started out as something that i really wanted to do because call me vain but i really do like the sound of my voice 
and a lot of people like oh yeah you should start this podcast we're going to listen i love your voice i'm like oh yeah let me indulge you guys <laughs> but yeah it started out as something that i i just wanted to try out you know and i knew that if it flops it flops and i'm not really going to be beat myself about it and i loved it so far i went one month and then um i took a break an unintentional break and then i came back and here i am again thank you so much to everyone who actually takes out the time to listen to this podcast i am super super thankful and grateful for you you don't know what this means to me and this is enough of me rambling let's get straight into this reading start off by reading the blurb for the book as always so that you know what this book is about and the blurb says a broken people's playlist is a collection of stories in the soundtrack of life 12 music inspired tales are told about love the human condition life's micro moments and and every people's search for meaning and sometimes redemption the stories are also part homage and part love Letter to Port Harcourt, the city which most of them are set in. A man who throws a living funeral for his dying brother. Three friends ponder penis captivus and one's peculiar erectile dysfunction. And a troubled woman tries to find her peace place in the world, helped by a head full of songs and ginger tea. There are also interlinked stories one of a teenage wannabe DJ who just wants to play his first gig as his family breaks up. And another of him years later as a middle-aged man drunk calling his ex-wife. The prose is distinctive as it is concise and unapologetically Nigerian. And because the collection is infused with the magic of evocative storytelling, everyone is promised a story, a character, to move or haunt them like this blob is sexy as fuck i swear it's really sexy you don't know how beautiful this blob is and the fact that my copy is actually signed <laughs> i am so like who would have thought that i would actually have been excited about signed copies much like autographs but yeah i'm actually geeking out over a signed copy i think i have just a handful of signed copies or one or two but this is the first one i've ever gotten and i cherish this book wholeheartedly so the the um premise of shit sorry guys i moved my tripod so the premise of this book is that um for each the title of each story is actually a song okay so um I'm thinking that I would, um, I don't know, start out by, uh, but there are lots of them. So, um, I figured I would start out with the first story. I don't know. There's something about the first story, but yeah. So, 
The first story is Lost Stars, which is a song by Adam Levine. They will ask me when I first knew I was in love with you. I will sigh and say, I don't know. It happened in fragments, piece by piece, separate moments over the years. Moments, that's how I remember it. They'll be surprised when I say you are the only man I have loved. I hear that familiar whistle from my teens. I know it is you. I smile, and my legs pull me past my parents' suspicious looks out to the balcony. You are downstairs on the street, looking up at me with your smile, still cheeky. I haven't seen you in almost two years since the last time I was in Port Harcourt. I make a show of folding my arms. Hey, I say, you can't still be whistling to me. Don't you have a phone? Next time I whistle, you better come out fast. Wait too, because you are not riding Okada, you think you can talk to me any anyhow. Bushwoman, this is not Okada. You pass the black and silver motorcycle you are sitting astride on. This is Triumph Thunder and eh, your mates who drive cars. Do they have two heads? I have a car, or rather a van, but I use it to deliver eggs from my farm. It's either that or this. Choose one. I'm not choosing any. Let's go. Lunch. There's this book out on Station Road. I promise you'll sell your soul for their fat fisherman's soup. You want to take me to a buka on an okada? You can't be serious. Your mates who eat in buka and ride okadas, do they have two heads? You look at your wrist, which doesn't have a watch. You're wasting my time. Come up and greet my parents while I think about it. You smell, still using me, Abby. But you get off the motorcycle. I'll use you more in the next few days. Besides, you enjoy it. Beg me. Beg me first. You'll die of old age if you're waiting for me to beg. You sigh and get back on the motorcycle. We stare at each other till I say, Okay, you win. I beg now. <laughs> How long are you in town for? Till a week from today. Monday after the wedding. Noah, my immediate younger sister, was getting married on Saturday. You're coming, right? Of course. I add, and for the Thanksgiving on Sunday too, you nod. Thanks. We'd gone by taxi. The booker had almost emptied out from the lunchtime crowd by the time we arrived. It was clean though, meaning we didn't have to swat flies from sharing our food. The fisherman's soup was good, but I had had better. I told you so. After eating, we sit back on the wooden benches, waiting for you to finish your, your, to finish your gouda. I take sips from your glass. The beer is almost flat, and I don't enjoy it, but I keep sipping. My mother was called to you today. You chuckle. She saw me with a girl the other day on my bike. She's been carrying face for me since then. You tilt the glass as you pour the last of the beer from the bottle. I don't blame Hasha. She thinks we've been dating for two years. I've not shown any intention to marry you, and I'm carrying girls over battle. After Noah's wedding... I'd be the only one among the four sisters in my family who wasn't married. And at 35, I'm the oldest. It was a prayer point for my mother, the start point for all for our many battles. I sip more wine. More beer. Sorry, I love wine. I'm sorry. That's how she is. <laughs> After this wedding, perhaps you should stop acting like we're dating. I sigh. I only do it when I'm in Portacourt, I add. I'm sorry this is cramping your style with your girlfriend. You smile. You're not sorry. 
and she's not my girlfriend. Who is she? You shrug. We meet each other's needs. You know how these things are. She's not important. Wait. You are jealous. No, I hiss. You wish. Your smile says you don't believe me. I point at you. It's you who is jealous. Me. Jealous of who? Femi. Yes. You've always been jealous of Femi. His money? Yes. Him? No. You chuckle. How are you and Femi safe? I pause before I answer. Or fine. How many years have you guys? Your words trail off, but I know what you're asking. We've been together for over four years. Thank you very much. I hear the irritation in my voice. You raise your glass to your lips, but before you drink, you caught me with, still believe that he's about to leave his wife. You drink. I don't answer. You leave some beer in the, in the glass and signal asks if I want it. I shake my head. I'm sorry, you say. You're not sorry. You smile. You're right. I'm not. We never quite <clears throat> happened, but everyone assumed we did, even from when we were teens. Although we both grew up in D, D line and saw each other around the neighborhood, we first met in 97. You were 19 in uni. I was 18, about to get in. Your father's bakery was down the road from our house, though your family lived on the next street. You worked at the bakery, evenings and holidays, sometimes over the counter where you handed out soft warm loaves and shy smiles. You stopped smiling when your father died. He was a well-liked man. The neighborhood pulled together for your mom. That was when my mom and your mom became close. And when she brought me along for one of her many visits, you and I first talked. It was nothing, just awkward commiserations and silence. Then, on a balmy day in July, I accompanied my mom to your father's funeral in Omoku. And I remember being struck by how you, the last child, stayed deadpan while your mom and siblings wailed and trashed as they lowered the, the casket. Weeks later, my mom sent me to drop off a big cooler of jollof rice at your house. I walked into what looked like a meeting in the living room involving your mom, elder brothers and some older men. As she helped me take the cooler to the kitchen, you quickly wiped off a tear, but I had seen it. We are surprised as I was when I asked you to walk me back home. Till today, I don't know what pushed those words out of my mouth. All I knew was that I could sense that you needed to be somewhere else at that moment. Rather than go to my house, we ended up strolling through more than half of D-Line, crossing the rail li railway line twice at the fruit garden market and at the bole and fish stalls at Agudama Street, and even heading up as far as the close on Udom Street and you turning into the in and you turning in front of Hotel Chesteris. Somewhere on that walk, you told me about how your uncles were demanding ownership of the bakery from your mom. I talked of my parents' unhappy marriage, how I eavesdrop of my mom when she goes to cry in the bathroom, and how I didn't get along with any of them. You didn't talk about your father. I didn't talk about Victor, my boyfriend at that time. But Victor's friends had seen us walking. Later, he was with two of his friends when he asked me about it. I said it was nothing. He said I was lying. He said I was parambulating around D-line with you and embarrassing him. I said he was overreacting. I even apologized. Then he slapped me. I was used to my father beating my mom. 
He did it almost with a nonchalance that came from regular practice and confidence in her perpetual surrender. But I am not my mother. I slapped Victor. So hard, my wrist almost snapped, and the pain vaulted up my arm. By the time his friend succeeded in pulling him off me, my face was bloodied, my top torn, my ears wrung with a shawo, a shawo, which was what he had been screaming at me. The beating didn't hurt as much as the stories which I heard afterwards. I heard I slept with Victor, then with three of his friends, then with you, then with every man who winked at me. Some of the stories had specific details, places, dates. One even had the color of my panties. I don't know how, but somehow the, pan the stories found my, pants found my parents' ears one day. That evening, my father's terries laughed. My father's tired, lashed me till I red misted and answered back. That was the first time he told me to leave his house. You didn't seem surprised when I turned up at your room at the BQ behind your parents' house that night. You didn't ask me why I was there, and I wasn't in the mood to talk. I flicked through your photo album, books and music collection. You played your homemade CDs, Smokey, U2, Bon Jovi, Oasis, Turning me to rock for the tuning me to rock for the first time. You got me dinner, fluffy bread, blue band margarine, and thick, thick sweetened milo. I smiled because you dipped your bread into the cocoa before eating it. I should be. You convinced me to try it when you joked that it was more than comfort food. It was also one of the secrets to happiness. You watched me do it and the expression on my face confirmed you were right you laughed it was the first time i heard that infectious rumble it it prized a chuckle from me and the simple magic of everything flipped my mood i told you everything you didn't say anything for a long time we lay on your mattress on the floor and stared unabashedly at each other but it was soothing intimate inevitably still in silent Silence. We cozy it up till I rested my head on your chest, feeling your heart pound as you stroked my hair. Looking back, I wish I had bottled that piece of that moment and carried you through my life. We were still in each other's arms when your mother, without knocking, pushed open the door. My mother was behind her. I trod home in silence beside my mother. She didn't speak to me until the next morning when she banned me from talking to you. I managed to obey for only one month. I wish I rebelled sooner. Years later, we will talk about that night and play out what might have been. We agreed that we would have made love. And you tell me that you wanted to, but you were reluctant to make him move when I was vulnerable. I tell you that it would have been my first time. I don't tell you that I hoped you'd been my first, and I still wish you were. My first was Victor, who came to apologize the next day and every day for two weeks. I blanked him on the d until the day someone told me about Usa, your then-girlfriend. I didn't tell you that I cried and snuck to Victor's house, took off my clothes, my clothes mechanically and lay zombied on his bed. I tell you I wish you had told me about Usa that night. You tell me that you would have mentioned her but our mothers came in. You also tell me that you organized some boys for some boys to beat up Victor but you called it off when you realized we were dating again. I shrug and don't tell you that I wish you hadn't called it off. But I tell you that any time I get blue, I eat bread dipped in milo 
and it makes everything better better they will ask me how often i told you i love you and i will sigh and say i don't recall ever saying it but you knew you knew those times when you'd look up and catch me watching you and i refused to look away you knew in your darkest days when you missed your father when your uncles took over the bakery and ran it down when your family's money ran out when you didn't have a job when a depression smothered you and you wished for death to end it all you came to me to hold you to till some light pierced through you knew on those nights when i called you after femi had gone home to his wife after i dried my tears and you made me laugh and talked and talked me to sleep and lie that everything would be okay you were cutting my hair when you proposed it was the thursday before noah's church wedding on monday after the booker visit you finally convinced me to get on your bike and we rode you weaving through traffic mistreating parts of the way to your farm in iguruta Igu iguruta Ugh, fuck i can't pronounce this shit iguruta mm -hmm. there i watched fascinated by the incongruous sights of you Gaiman, walking through the poetry house, feeding fish in the tanks, and calling a king boa, oga, at the outdoor pig pen. Between brief meetings with your workers, you talked about how after years of unsuccessfully looking for work, you became an accidental farmer, starting small with a tiny poultry behind your mom's house. You beamed as you talked about how well the farm was doing, how surprised you were that you were enjoying running it. And how you seem to have found your place in the world. I told you, you looked like you were finally at peace with yourself. Your shy was smile was your <laughs> sorry. Your smile was shy. And for a second I caught a glimpse of the boy from the bakery. And my heart was suddenly full because I'd never loved you as much as I did at that moment. The ride back to the city that night wasn't as hairy, and when you dropped me off at my parents' house, just like old times, you walked me to the door and kissed me easily. I warned you not to kiss me that casually as if the last time we kissed was ten as if the last time we kissed was ten minutes before. And not three years, five months and two days ago. You asked if I had been counting, I told you to stop being silly. You laughed and we kissed properly. Till I accidentally leaned on the doorbell. The next day I went with my family to Bury for Noah's traditional wedding which was scheduled for third, for Wednesday. You came with your mom to Bury for the ceremony and rolled your eyes as she beard hugged me and made me take and made you take pictures as we pouted and posed. As a pretend boyfriend you were perfect, spending as much time with me as possible and even briefly sitting under a canopy with my brothers in law, the sisters, the husbands of my two youngest sister to sisters, where you smirked and made faces at me. When I returned on Thursday, I went to your flat at Stadium Road. Famished, we didn't make it to your bedroom. We tore at each other's coats, but gave up midway and merged, half-dressed, on your living room wall. As your face headed down between my legs, as always, you paused for a moment and we chuckled because we remembered. The first time you ate me, my first time ever, I farted uncontrollable through a long orgasm. <laughs> And you roll off and laugh till I joined in. Thursday was kisses, bites, sweat, throats and screams. A frenzied mauling because there was no more tomorrow. 
liquid electric it caused through every cell jolted my body alive but felt good for my spirit like a homecoming eventually we collapsed to the floor beside your door after we stumbled to your room where we drank wine cuddled and ribbed each other then we did it again slower bodies rhyming gently because of scarred souls then we napped different sides of the bed because i disliked being cuddled when i slept woke and talked it was when you touched my hair that i realized my wig had fallen off i had developed alopecia when i was 19. by 20 i'd lost most of my hair apart from ugly patches which were so irregular and sparse i couldn't even wear weaves you went with me to buy wigs helped me choose and deliberately cracked the unfunniest jokes when i cried so i'd get annoyed enough to hit you and stop crying then you started cutting my hair regularly balding my head and when i got confident enough you accompanied me to barber's shop at the time you were still dating osa i'd long moved on from victor and technically we hadn't yet crossed the line but our just friends stick didn't fool anyone you ran your head you ran your hand through my tufts i said so you're waiting for me to ask you to cut my hair abby i've stopped cutting hair for free especially for ungrateful women ah sorry oh cut it first prostrating gratitude later you shook your head and sighed like you always did when you had no comeback that was how i ended up sitting in your bathroom naked except for the barber's cape over me watching in the big mirror while you cut my hair with electric clippers we stared at each other in the mirror sira yes i'm tired uh-uh you just did a cutting. No. I'm tired of being your friend. An occasional fuck buddy. Correction. Best friend. And my one who got away. For the record, I never went away. You know what I mean. Our timings are always wrong. I'll be available and you'll be dating someone. Vice versa. I keep telling you, it's like we aren't fated to be. Nonsense. We were together once. Yes, but that was just for the three weeks before I moved to Lagos. Best three weeks of my life. Me too. You sighed. I wish you didn't move. Why didn't you ask me not to? Come on now. Since I knew you, you always wanted to leave home. Remember those times you talked about running away and I yapped you because running away only works in Oibo movies. And you finished school, finished NYS, you got this dream job. I didn't yet have a job. We knew we weren't built. We weren't built for a long distance crap. Your shoulders slumped. Another correction. I wanted to leave home. Leave this city. Only because of all that shit with. Victor messed up my reputation. And I mimicked your voice and did echoes. For the record, you didn't ask. I shrugged. You stooped and flicked the clipper off as the realization hit you. You would have stayed if I asked. I smiled. For someone who knows me as well as you do, you ask silly questions sometimes, I sighed. So you're tired of being my friend. What are you really trying to say? That we should stop talking? Because let me warn you, it won't work. Now you're being the silly one. You fluffed my hair off my head with a duster. Lean forward from behind and kiss my scalp. You held my eyes in the mirror. I want more. I want everything. Marry me, Sarah.
They will ask me why I said no, and I will sigh and say exactly what I told you. Because I wasn't a child anymore, and because I knew love alone was never enough in this life. You said you didn't understand. I explained that we both moved on. I was in Lagos about to be announced the partner in the law firm which I had worked in for four years. You were in Port Harcourt, running a growing farm business which required your presence. I told you that I didn't want to give up my life and move back to Port Harcourt, that I would eventually resent you if I did. I told you that I wouldn't forgive myself if you gave up your life and all you'd worked for for me. You said we would work something out. I told you not to be naive. Then you said I sounded materialistic. There was an unspoken undercurrent to that statement. Years ago, you joked that was with Femi because he was rich. And I felt this statement was a continuation of that jibe, of that jibe. So I told you to fuck off and I left your flat. And I refused to see you on Friday. And I was called to you all through Noah's wedding on Saturday, as well as at the Thanksgiving on Sunday. And I refused to answer your calls or reply your messages. And before I left on Monday morning, I told my mom the truth about us, about Femi, about Victor, about my relationship with her. Her face was inscrutable when I finished talking. I remember so when she held me, suddenly woodenly, because it had been years since we hugged and we'd forgotten how. Then voice strong and lifted, she said in a long lyrical heartfelt. She said she said a long Lyrical heartfelt prayer for me in Kana, not English, because Nigerian mothers don't apologize in conventional ways. Hey, good morning. Hey, stranger. Behave, it's just 10 days. Feels like 10 years. So I need to talk to you right now. You think you can walk up my life and walk in anytime you like, Abby? I know I can. You chuckled, okay. They just made me a partner. Signed a partnership agreement about 10 minutes ago. Formal announcements and notices to clients tomorrow. Party on Saturday. Yay, congratulations. I sure, thanks. Are you okay? I'm just... I don't know what to feel. I slaved for this for years. I've finally gotten it. And honestly, it feels a bit empty. Like, is all? is this all? Is this life? Right now, I'm making the score from a toilet in my office because I can't stand people congratulating me. It's just normal. Are you sure it's not PMS that is doing you? You guffed. No, I just finished my period. Hunger, uncle. I just had breakfast. Okay, you said. Try not to worry too much. These things happen. You'll probably feel better later. Are you sure? No. I'm just saying this shit because it sounds nice. Thanks for nothing, but I was smiling into my phone. You're welcome. Pause. I'm sorry, Sierra. I know. I'm sorry too. I overreacted. You think? Don't push it. So, I've got news. I found a guy. What guy? I found a guy who's going to manage my farm and the workers when I'm away. Trustworthy guy. All his references check out. People say only good things about him. Why do you want someone managing your farm? So I can move to Lagos. I'll call him every day, double check everything he does with my customers, and go to Potako twice or thrice a month to see how things are. I also plan to buy land in Lagos for another farm. There was a silence for a while. Sira, I was serious when I said we can make this work. 
I'm willing to do what it takes. I felt the bird's wings beating furiously where my heart used to be. Sarah, yes, say something. You exhaled, I exhaled. Like I said, my firm's throwing a party on Saturday for me here in Lagos. Are you coming? Only if you ask nicely. I need you. Please. That shameless emotional blackmail. But it works. I'll be there. Thanks. You can stay at my place. You don't have to get a hotel. Sure. And in case you were wondering, I broke up with Femi last week. It was a lost was a long time before you spoke. Why? How? It was the right time, I sighed. I'll give you the details when we see. Okay. Cool. I've got to go now. Okay, talk soon. Wait. Till today, I don't know what made me tell you then. Tell you then because I'd planned to wait till I saw you. But looking back, I'm glad I did. Caldini? Yes. Yes. Yes what? Yes. I'll marry you, Caldini. You're welcome. You don't come to Lagos. The party was cancelled. Later that day, as you rode from your farm, a commuter bus, which was parked by the curb, swung suddenly into the road without the driver indicating. It slapped your motorcycle off its course and it craned into the concrete median strip that divided the road. But the force flung you over to the other lane where your body was quickly mangled by oncoming traffic. Your helmet protected your head and this kept you conscious long enough to call me as they sped you to the hospital. 4.17pm. I saw the missed call. I saw the call, but I didn't answer it because I was in a meeting. I called you after, but you didn't answer. 5.52pm. I get a call from your phone. 6.33pm. I answer it. Hey, baby. Sarah, it's Mio. was your mom. As soon as I heard her voice, the crack in it, I knew. Hello, ma. Where's Kaodini? My dear, my daughter. I hope you're sitting down. Yes, ma. Sira, my baby. Our baby. He's dead. Two years later, they don't ask me why I resigned from my job or why I walk around without my wigs. They don't ask why I moved back to Portaco to your apartments, piled your clothes on the bed and lay in them for days. They don't talk about the time when I fought my mother and sisters and your mom. When they came to drag me off the bed to give me a bath and wash your clothes and your scent of them. They don't talk about my display at your funeral where I flung myself at your casket. They don't ask me why I became an insomniac or why for weeks the only thing I ate was bread dipped in milo. They don't talk about why I'm in therapy. therapy. Gradually, they've learned that I liked it when they talked about you, so they do. They ask questions about everything, about how we met, how I first knew I was in love with you, how often I told you, how you proposed. Today, they even asked me why I love you. And I sighed and said, because even though we weren't meant to be, you were always home to me. Okay. This first story erects me. Like, I didn't expect that twist. Like, it fucking wrecked me. My God. Like, like I was just like, kill me now. What, what color of depression is this? What kind of depressed story is this? Can we not do this right now? But yeah. 
Chimeka really wrote the story. Like, he really wrote this one. And all I can say is that if you haven't already picked this book up, this is your cue to pick it up because this first story, it just rips your heart out of your chest. That's what it does. Okay, guys, so I know I said I was going to read um, two stories, but they're a bit long. This podcast is already long, and I just want to. I was recorded at night, and right now I'm tired. I had a long day at work, and I just want to sleep. But yeah, this is me. Um, if you haven't already picked up a Broken People's Playlist, please do yourself a favor and pick it up. All the stories are really genuine. I, I'm going to reread it again, probably tonight, and just read it and just put myself to sleep. Stories are beautiful and they are wonderful and I like them. I like that they are easily relatable, actually. <laughs> very, very relatable. Um... What else did we say thank you guys so much for listening don't forget to subscribe on google podcast to follow on spotify share this podcast with all your friends there is loving sharing um what did they say again <laughs> do come back to listen to another episode on my podcast i am currently recording three fridays in a month first and second fridays and last fridays third fridays are my off days because everyone needs an off day so i'm taking third fridays as my off day to relax recuperate and just get my shit together and create more content oh yes thank you guys so much for listening to me read short story sunday or short story september sorry short story september um read more books read 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 guys and i hope you guys enjoyed the rest of the month and have a blissful weekend okay